Alright guys, we're gonna go ahead and get started if you would. Find your spot as much as you can. It's a tiny room. We'll be good. Alright, cool. Um, I'm gonna start off with a prayer so you guys bow with me. Father God, um, you give us opportunity to have a family that we couldn't have otherwise. And Lord, there's some of us that um, were raised with good homes. There's some of us who were raised in bad homes and some in between. But Lord, no matter what our background, no matter where we've come from, you've opened the door uh, for us to have a, a relationship that's going to be um, transformative. And, uh, and only your son allows that. Lord, help us to honor you um, with the way we talk today, um, the way that we interact with each other. And Lord, help each of us to discover how we can be better brothers and sisters to each other today. Uh, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about friendship in the light and uh, what it means to be um, a friend to our brothers and sisters in the church. And then Matthew's going to teach a companion lesson um, later about uh, friendship in the dark and, and being friends to the, the world. Um, the theme for the workshop is darkness to light. And, and Chris Seidman said yesterday, he talked about how um, just because we're Christians, doesn't necessarily mean that we're like done with darkness forever, right? Like there's times when, um, when some of the old stuff kind of creeps back in or some new tragedy pops up or some new struggle comes up. And, and so there's times when inevitably we're always going to be under attack. We're always going to have struggles in this life. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. He promised that. And, and it's been true in my life. I'm sure it's been true in yours as well. And so we have to ask, are we building the kinds of friendships in our churches that's going to allow us to see to see the darkness in each other, to recognize it when it comes up, and then to provide the healing that we need. You know, are we building that kind of relationship? Uh, perspective is really important. You know, we sometimes we just view or we act like we're just this random assortment of worshipers um, instead of being what we are, which is a very carefully crafted team, a, a special forces unit. First Peter two four through five. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so that's mainly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, we're going to go through a journey and, and talk about how God is very carefully selecting each of us. He's selected each one in this room. And put you in the place that you are, in the context that you are, with the other people that he's also carefully placed and provided a role for you and, and opportunities for you to take advantage of. And it's not to be treated lightly. We're to build this with care. God has put a lot of time and effort and energy and love into putting us where we are and with the people we are and in the time and places we are. And we've got to treat that with the respect it deserves. You know, there's a um, there was an ad campaign in the 80s, which I don't know, a lot of you guys weren't around for, but... It's, uh, it was like friends don't let friends, right? So like friends don't let friends drive drunk and, and stuff like that. And, and the whole idea was if you're really someone's friend, the, the reason they had to say that was because it's really embarrassing. It's not cool. You know, when you're, when you're that age, it's not cool when you're young to tell someone, hey, man, you know, don't drive or, you know, put the drink down. You don't want to be lame. You don't want to be, you know, that guy. And so they had to come out with an ad campaign that said, look, it's not worth it. And it's not worth it because if you don't speak up, if you don't engage them on an uncomfortable level, they could die. It's worth it. It's worth the discomfort. And that's how we've got to see this, that God's putting the stuff in place. And, and, and the depth of our relationships is going to determine, it will determine someone's eternity. Like how deep you get with your brothers and sisters, it's going to determine whether a lot of people go to heaven or not. 
And, and that's a heavy responsibility. It's something, again, we want to be very careful. We want to be careful about the way we build what God has entrusted us with. So we're going to talk about from foundation to finish what it looks like to build a church in the light, to, to build friendships in the light. Um, so the foundation, right? The foundation has been expertly laid by Jesus. First Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if we're going to build... That's who we got to build on. That's who we got to model after. So the first step is following Jesus, defining characteristics, and it's, it's servanthood. We've got to become servants. We've got to do the dirty work and the stuff that gets hidden. Um, that was his legacy for anyone to build after. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, In your relationships with one another, talking to the church, he says, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. All right, so the first step in building on his foundation is we've got to do the stuff that gets hidden. You know, in a house, think about like the framing and the wiring and the plumbing. You know, all this stuff that you've got to have in a house, but no one's ever going to see. Like, right, no one comes into a, a new home when they're checking out. It's like, that is some nice plumbing, right? Like, those pipes are awesome. Like, nobody says that because you can't see it. It goes totally unappreciated. And, and a lot of times, you know, serving in the church, if you do it right, is similar. A lot of times when you, if you're really serving, you're having the attitude of a servant the way Jesus did. You're going to do a lot of stuff that gets covered over and doesn't get a lot of attention and you don't get a lot of praise for it. Um, and that's okay. It's, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to get as much attention as coming up and speaking or getting a leadership position or anything like that. But it absolutely has to happen. It's got to be a part of that first layer that we put down on the foundation is we've got to have the same attitude of a servant that Jesus had. You know, uh, when the church gets selfish, when we when we refuse to be servants, it's like broken plumbing, right? And we had a, um, at our house, we're, we're not on city um, city's septic system. And so we've got, we've got our own outside septic system. And so one of, one of my guys comes in for a small group and he's like, dude, I don't know what it is. But your house reeks like it is so But He went on for like 20 minutes about how bad my house smelled. And I'm like, man, I'm like checking my daughter's diaper. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, why does my house smell so bad? And our septic system had failed. And, and a lot of times that's what the church is like. When we refuse to serve, people will come into our churches. and They're going to be like, I don't know what it is, but something stinks. Right. Like something is not right here. I'm coming in and, and this is not I'm, I'm hearing you share these verses. I'm hearing you talk about dying to self. Something ain't right. You know, it's it's when. Your elder asks for, you know, children's class teachers and, and no one speaks up and no one volunteers and you got to cancel children's classes. It's when uh, your minister calls for help to, to set up or take down for an event and nobody shows up or, or everyone looks around to see who's going to break first, you know, and, and be the guy. I sent out a group text to my guys. Uh, I'm going to throw them under the bus a little bit. I sent out a group text to my guys. I'm like, hey, I usually, you know, with one of the guys set up tables for our, our Wednesday night dinners. I sent it out to like six guys. And the first time I sent it out, nobody responded. And I could see it was like a, a playing chicken with each other, you know, like seeing who's going to break. And so I sent out another one. I'm like, okay, seriously, who's going to do it? And then right away, they all text me back like, okay, we got it. Um, but I, that's a little thing that's not a big deal. And the job got done. And a lot of times we'll look at that and be like, hey, it got done. What's the problem? But when people come among us and, and even among each other, it really hinders and it, it stops that servant attitude. It, it just fosters this selfishness and this, this idea that it's okay. It's okay to, um, to, to, not, to make it about me and to, to try to put it on other people. You know, Jesus has the opposite approach. 
in Luke 14, 10 through 11, he talks about fighting your way to the lowest position in the room. He says, when you're invited to a party, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, when you walk into a room, what's your attitude? Are you asking in that context, in that room, how can I serve? Or are you asking, how can I be served? Are you even asking the question? Because a lot of times we'll come in, think about like, how do you decide when you come in, where are you going to sit? You know, when you come into a, in the church for a service or you come into a group meeting or whatever, how do you decide who you're going to sit next to? And it may not even be a, like a conscious thing for you. It might just be a thing like, hey, you know, I talk to them you know, all the time. I'm just going to go and, and just sit next to them. I'm comfortable. It's easy. It's my place. It's where I'm going to go. It's the seat I sit in every week. You know, or am I choosing to look for who's on the fringe, who's not being welcomed, who might be feeling like they're not getting the love that the family of Christ is supposed to be giving? Am I looking to serve every time I walk into a room? You know, how do you decide what you're going to do when you realize a brother doesn't have money to eat? You know, and, and you could get the, you know, the combo or you could get like the tiny meal and get them a tiny meal, you know, and you got to decide what you're going to do with that. Um, you know, when, when we have these, these situations and we got to decide, am I going to be the servant that Jesus was in, uh, in our ministry in Tampa, we used to do something called covert ops. And, uh, whenever somebody had, when you know, college students were poor and when somebody had a hard time and they were up against it financially and they had a, like a one-time thing that they really needed, like a dental operation or a, you know, something where they, they seemed to get over the hump a little bit and they were in pain and they just needed some help. Then Lynn would covertly go around and, and when they'd like find an excuse to get the person out of the room and collect money and then we'd give it to them and no one got credit. Like, no, they had no idea who'd given. They had no idea, you know, where it was coming from, except it was from like the group. And, and even though no one got credit, everyone was blessed. Like, I think everyone was more blessed because we all got to share in that and we all got to experience that. And every single person who received, you know, one of the, it was on the receiving end of one of those covert ops was just blown away and, and inevitably would be telling their friends about it and telling the people around them. And so if we're going to build on Jesus' foundation, the first step has to be that we take that role of a servant, we wrap the towel around our waist and we look at for every opportunity to serve. You think about when you walk into a room at every step, how can I serve? How can I be of service to someone um, in, in this context? All right, so we've got, our, we've got our framing up, we've got our wiring up, got our plumbing running through. Now we're going to turn on the lights. Um, the next thing we've got to do is we've got to get on the light so we can work in the light. You know, the, the whole theme of this workshop is being in the light and the, this message is friendship in the light. Yeah, I think that means friendship in the open. And we've had a lot of awesome examples of this um, this weekend. First John 1, 5 through 10 said, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claimed we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. You know, turning on the lights means opening up to our church family and being vulnerable. Um, again, this, this weekend has been absolutely wonderful and, uh, and it inspired Crystal and I were, were in our room last night 
and just started talking. It was, and we picked the worst times just right before RCM led worship. And so we, we like, we all talk, we, we talk together, like the two of us talk together and we start opening up about some insecurities and some things that we hadn't really been talking about that much that, um, that were embarrassing. And, and, and we have this conversation and then we like come in to worship all like emotionally raw and open. And then you guys like singing and we're just like bawling the whole time. Like we're just a hot mess. Um, but, but that vulnerability, man, like Wes said yesterday, um, in his class, he talked about carrying darkness with you. He talked about how he, how he went so long because he was afraid to open up about, he opened up about like 90% of what he had going on in his past and, and what was hurting him. But that, that little remnant of darkness that he left made all of his relationships shallow. Every single one of them. He, he couldn't get close to anyone because of that remnant that he left behind. And as long as we carry our darkness around with us and don't open up about it, as long as we're not operating in the light, then our friendships aren't going to be able to get where they need to go. And then I think, too, you know, something we take lightly. It says if we, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You know, honestly, you know, if you're in, imagine you're in, a, you're in a counter, or like a, an open sharing time, right? The person who doesn't share is basically doing the same thing as the as a person who stands up and says I've got I've got nothing happening, right? Like I've got nothing going wrong in my life. Like I've I've got it all together. If you if you refuse to open up at any point, you won't share any Now not everyone's going to have like if you meet every week, you're not always going to have hopefully some catastrophic sin you're dealing with, right? Like like hopefully none of us are there. Um, but but at some point you're going to have something and all of us deal with insecurities and all of us deal with stuff that's go that we think about all day or we then just runs through our head or or we try not to think about, and that's why we binge watched, you know, Breaking Bad on Netflix or whatever. But you know, like uh, we all have stuff we're trying not to think about and trying not to deal with. And if we pretend like that's not there, then when people come in, you know, imagine a you know a baby Christian. When I came into the church, I thought the older guys had stopped sinning. I really thought that. Like I just thought they'd figured out how to not sin because I never saw any. I never saw them do anything wrong. You know, I didn't live with them. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't there with them day to day, and so. Um, I really just thought that at some point you just figure it out and you don't sin anymore. And then I went to a men's retreat and, and I found out that, you know, these guys are opening up about some crazy stuff and they're, they're, they're really honest with them. I'm like, oh man, like I'm okay. Like I, I really thought I was hosed there because I never thought I would, I would figure it out. I didn't think, I thought I'd be the guy that never figured it out. So I had this sin that I, I couldn't get past. But if they had never opened up to me, if they'd never showed me that, then imagine, you know, as I go on and I become a husband and a father and I'm like, all these guys never sin. What am I? I'm a wreck. Like, what's going on? I feel terrible. You know, it, it, pretending like we don't have sin or, or not saying anything is almost the same as, um, as saying that we're sinless. John three nineteen through 21 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly. What they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, God's word teaches us that perfect love drives out fear. You hear that? Perfect love drives out fear. That fear that that verse talked about, that fear that your deeds will be exposed. I felt that, man. That's so hard. Like that moment before you open up, that moment when you don't know Regardless of how many times you've opened up and how many of your friends have told you it's all cool and how many times they've told you it's okay and you're not weird and all these things, there's that moment before you share something that, that you haven't shared yet. 
And it's that fear, that, that fear of exposure, that fear of shining light on that part of your life. Yeah, I think about my kids and, and, and what we try to teach them. And I'm, I'm going to tell a story first. And anytime you hear my kids, replace it with me. Okay, so, so my kids get a little freaked out by the dark, right? And uh, I get a little freaked out by the dark. And so they, they'll like go through the house and, and they'll get scared. And what I've seen is that, what I've taught them is that if you turn on all the lights as you go, then you'll be fine, right? Like you won't be scared anymore. And so my kids, as they go through the house in the middle of the night, will turn on every single light. And if there's any dark corners, because my kids have seen scary horror movies with little kids creeping in the dark. And so, uh, and so my kids have to turn on all the lights so they don't get scared. Um, we want, in our moments where we're afraid and we don't know what's going to happen, I want the light everywhere, right? Like I don't want any corner untouched by that light. I don't want any chance of some creepy little kid jumping out at me, right? So, um, and then we come to our sins and we come to, to our, our issues with Satan and the, the way he deceives us. And we can openly acknowledge that this is wrecking me. Like I can see all the ways this is wrecking me. I totally acknowledge that this is ruining my life or, or making it stressed all the time. And I, but I'm like, man, I don't want to shine the light on that. I really don't want that to come out. <laughs> And it's such a natural thing, that fear that our, our deeds will be exposed. Um, but it's, it's such an unhealthy way to go about it and so much healthier if we'll just shine the light everywhere. And then we don't have to. That perfect love drives out the fear. And that acceptance that you get when your church family rallies around you um, drives out that fear. You know, John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what you're doing. You know, when you open up about the thing you didn't want to open up about, you're laying down your life. That stuff, that those, those testimonies that we heard last night, that was, that was laying their lives. That was really freaking hard. It was laying, they laid their lives down in front of us, literally on display. And they didn't know how people would react. There were people who carried their kids out because their kids were hearing things that they didn't want them to hear. Like, that's, how hard is that? I understand, but like, how hard is that for the person giving their testimony? You know, like... They laid their lives out for us. And that's, that's true love. To, to be vulnerable like that, to shine the light, is true love. 1 John 2.10 says, Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. If you love your brother and sister, you will live in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. We can remove stumbling blocks from our friends' lives. We can take out obstacles that would have tripped them up. And, and, and hurt them just by opening up ourselves and shining light and, and being a light and bringing that in and showing them that this is a safe place to do that too. And this is, this is the safe place where you can bring that. All right, so we've got, got our lights on. It's time to, uh, we've got our walls. Our walls are still a little exposed or our, our, our rafters are all exposed. So we're going to set up some boundaries. That's step three. We're going we're gonna to throw up some boundaries. See, the problem with a house, if you don't take the step, a house without walls, think about picture a house without walls. If you ever watch like my wife loves HGTV, if you ever see like the, the house when it's halfway done, right? And you've got all the, the beams and the, the wiring going through and that's cool. And you, you can imagine what it's going to look like. But if you let the kids run through it, then, then you've got an issue. So you've got like exposed wires. You've got like nails everywhere. You've got all this stuff that could, that's going to hurt someone. And this is what happens when. When we open up to each other, when we do that first step, we shine the light and we're super vulnerable, but then we don't establish boundaries of accountability. You know, when I've been a part of small groups where everybody just 
totally unburdened, like no limits, like told everything, deepest, darkest, deepest, darkest secrets, but then nothing was done about it. And it was all just out there. And, and we just confessed the same things over and over again every week, but no one held any, no one held each other accountable. There was no boundary set up to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm glad you said that, but like, you shouldn't still be saying that this week. Like, let's do something about that. Let's, let's set up some things to, to help you not go that route anymore. You know, accountability means I'm going to take what you've shared with me and I'm going to help you find healing. Because if we don't do that, then it's like that house without walls. It's, it's, it's everybody's raw and, and, and exposed. And then eventually, if you stay that way for long enough, you can't survive raw like that forever. And so you, you shell up, right? Like you, you build this shell and you get apathetic and it, it sears your conscience to confess the same things over and over again and not deal with them is the worst thing we can do because then you you just become numb to it all. And so we've got to be careful that if we're going to open up, if we're going to create an open environment, that we also have the guts to, to set up these walls of accountability with each other and and make sure that we're we're addressing what's being brought up and dealing with it and not just leaving it exposed. Right. You know, fair warning. If you do it this way... All right, you guys have done this, right? You guys, I think most people in this room probably have probably experienced this. Someone shares something and you tell them that's probably not, you know, it sounds like that's not working out for you. What if you tried this? I know when I've been on the receiving end of that, it's not always been the most exciting thing to hear. All right, like I don't, I love the idea of accountability. I love the idea of people holding me accountable. Um, it's not always the best thing when I'm hearing it. It's not the best feeling. And so at some point, you're going to have to say something hard to your friends. Otherwise, you're just enabling them. But we've got to be willing to do it anyway and then deal with it when it becomes hard and deal with it when it becomes conflict. Proverbs, I love Proverbs 27.6 is one that, um, that I, I came across recently and I've been like using it in all my classes because it's just really cool. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. <laughs> Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I think about that in context of like how we relate to each other and, and how the world relates to each other. And I, I just I wonder, has there ever been a more pervasive and disastrous advice as you do you? Right? Like that is like the most common piece of advice dispensed from, from our generation, from like our time. It is the worst advice you could possibly, you do you, right? Like everything's going wrong. What do you do? You do you, man. Just, you do you. You got this. You, I believe in you do you. And I, I'm telling you, like I'm in the process of telling you, I cannot do me. Like I've tried to do me and it's failing miserably. And the response is, you do you. Like that's not helpful. And, like, and people are like, oh yeah, man, thank you. No, like that's the worst. That's the worst. I'm horrible at doing me. That's the point. That's why I'm telling you this stuff. But I, you know, what do you even say to that? And so I need someone to tell me that the way I've been doing me is dumb. You know, and it's not working. I need someone like Mama Carol. You know, you all you guys know Carol Stringfellow, who every time you share with her something that you've done a couple times in a row, she's going to say, Right? How's that working for you, Claire? That's okay. You had me. You had me. I appreciate it. A couple others whispered it. All right. So how's that working for you? It's okay to say like it. We, it's not just okay to say. We have to say, how is that working for you? And how can I walk with you through this? And how can I go with you and, and not leave you in this exposed 
spot that you've talked about not wanting to be in anymore. And what's different about this, see, with the vulnerability, RCM does it better than most, but, but really, you really can share that with outsiders, right? You can be, in fact, should be vulnerable with outsiders and, and open up to them and allow them to, to open up to you. What's unique about this accountability part is that this is the part you don't get from the outsiders. This is the part you don't get from your friends in the world. And it, it has to come from the church because you're not, your friends are going to tell you what? They're going to tell you, you do you, right? And so uh, we've got to have, this is, the church is the only place you're going to get this. And so we've got to do this for our brothers and sisters. And we're going to have friendship in the light. And we're going to expose and open up all this stuff. We've got to persevere, even when they don't want to hear it. You know, at Proverbs 17, 17, says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know, we learned in our, in our pre-marriage counseling, when Crystal and I went through it, this idea of this cycle of conflict and intimacy that you go in in every relationship. And this idea that in any healthy relationship, you're always either moving from intimacy into conflict or from conflict into intimacy. Because if you're in an intimate time in your relationship and everything's going great, you're going to be in conflict at some point, right? Like at some point, you're going to disagree about something. At some point, one of you is going to mess up and hurt the other one. And so you're always at some point on your way towards conflict. And hopefully, once you get into conflict, you're always working your way back into intimacy. And the problem comes in our relationships, in any relationship, not just a marriage, because the church, you know, if we really mean it when we call ourselves brothers and sisters, that's a forever relationship, right? Like that's not one you just dump, hopefully, you know? And, and so in the church, the problem comes when we disengage, right? And the conflict goes on too long or gets too hot or we, you know, we give up and we get tired of, of dealing with the other person and we disengage, and then it breaks that relationship and they don't have that person anymore to hold them accountable. We've got to stay and grind through it um, and, and be that friend that's going to engage because we're in a relentless battle. You know, the, the only armor we have available, Ephesians 6 talks about it, where it talks about the armor of God. If you ever watch the like these like gladiator movies and stuff like that, if you watch someone put on armor, they almost always have someone helping them out, right? Like armor was really hard. You, ever, you guys ever watch Knight's Tale? I love that. That's like an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. But it's they, he, like it's hard to put on armor. Like you need help. I, I think about it. Uh, I was watching Band of Brothers, and, and it's about these paratroopers, and they they check their parachutes like four or five times before they make any jump. Like every single time they jump, they're checking their buddy's chute four or five times. Why do they do that? Because if they don't do it and the chute doesn't open, that's it. Like that's the end for them. And so they take it really seriously. We've got to be around. If we're not there checking each other's shoots, if we're not there listening to each other and then engaging in the darkness and engaging in the times when we're struggling, then somebody's going to jump with a faulty shoot. Somebody's going to hit a bad situation and not have the relationships there to catch them and not have the friendships there that are close enough to, to build them back up and, and, and get them to where they need to be, not set those boundaries. right? If we're not setting the boundaries then there's no limit to how far our friends in the church can go. And so we've got to be careful about how we engage and engage in, in, with intentionality. My friend Anthony, one of my mentors, came and did a mentor treat for us. And uh, he used this awesome illustration. I really love it. He said, uh, you know, if I've got a knife, you ever see like a, um, a knife sharpener, like the rod where you sharpen the knife and you like rub it against the blade, right? And so he said, if I've got a knife and a knife sharpener, right? 
and I put it carefully next to we put them next to each other in a kitchen drawer, and I close that drawer, and I leave it there for five years. How much sharper is that knife? It hasn't been affected, right? No, no effect, right? And then he blew our minds. He's like, okay, what if I take that knife and that knife sharpener? I lay them on a church pew for ten years, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Like, how much sharper is that knife? Well, like, not at all, right? Because they didn't, they never made contact in any meaningful way. They never, there was no friction. There was no moment where they rubbed against each other and, 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 um, and, and got into contact in a way that would change one or the other. And a lot of times that's where we can be in our churches is we can be sitting next to someone and feel good about sitting next to someone or sitting next to a group of people. And when we're not engaging when we're not in friction with each other, then we're not changing. We're not growing. We're not becoming what we need to become and we're not deepening our relationships. You know, everyone knows Proverbs 27, 17 is as iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. And like Carrie said, if, if, if we don't do this here, if we don't do this in our church, we're not going to have any idea how to do it in the outside world. If we cannot build these relationships here, then how in the world are we going to build it with our friend who doesn't know Christ? We've got to do it now. We've got to do it here. We've got to do it with each other. And if, if we'll build those relationships and deepen those relationships and not just open up, but also engage and, and grow each other and challenge each other, if we'll do that, then it's going to be so much easier later on to fulfill our mission. All right. So we've got, at this point, a house that is well-built, Brightly lit and extremely boring. It's all white walls. It's all emptiness. And so we're going to introduce some color. I think that's our next step. We're going to introduce some color. We're going to seek out diversity. That's our next step is seeking out diversity. Being a good friend to your church family, being a friend in the light means being a good friend to your whole church family. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be equally close to everyone in your church family. I get that. Like if you're in a big ministry, you're not going to be equally close to everyone. That's understandable. But there can't be a group of people or a segment of people or a person that we intentionally leave to the side and still call it church and still call it friendship and the like. You know, Carrie and Marlon did an awesome job talking about bridging the racial gap. And that's a huge part of this is, is intentionally seeking out. I talked to Family Vacation about, about going out of your comfort zone and, and seeking out people that are from different backgrounds and, and look different from you. And honestly, like... Homogeny, you know, all being the same is really boring. It's really boring because you get ideas go unchallenged, you know, that you've held for a long time. Your worldview world gets super narrow, you know, and, and you're not exposed to these different mindsets, these different backgrounds, these different experiences that everyone else has had. You know, diversity and friendships helps everyone grow of every kind, like different personalities. You know, we, we always tease Lynn, my campus minister, because for like five people, five of his interns in a row ended up being these really sarcastic, introverted guys. And if you like ever do a personality test where like each one of us was violently on the other end of Lynn. And, and we, so we always say God was like humbling him, which he could use. And then, yeah, and, and, and testing him and, and growing him because we were so annoying to him. And so, um, but it, it takes seeking out the people that are different from you that are, that are going to cause some friction when you spend time with them, that, that you don't have a ton in common with, that have a different background or body type or, or skin color or hobbies or personality, whatever. And just because we have, hear me on this, just because we have statistical diversity, just because I can go through and we hit all our quotas on all these different things, doesn't mean we have relational diversity. It doesn't mean that we have 
you know, if, if we've got, like at my church, my home church, um, we've got a very, what most people call a very diverse church. We've got one all white, mostly all white church in town. We've got two pretty much all black churches in town. And then we've got us who are almost 50-50. But honestly, and this is something we're really trying to work on, if you really look at the relationships in our church, there's not a lot of diversity. Like if you look at how people spend their time outside of church time, it's not that diverse. You know, it really, it's almost like two different churches. And, and when we're all together, it's, it's real. Like we really do enjoy being with each other. We just don't spend a lot of time in each other's homes. And that's not right. Like that's not the same thing. That's not what Jesus called us to. And so we can feel good sometimes about being in a diverse ministry. But if we're not seeking out relationships, and it takes intentionality because you're not going to have as much in common. Right? Like I, they, they showed the Lecrae video. And Lecrae talked about this guy started reaching out to him. And he'd never seen boys in the hood before. He's like, how can I be a friend to someone who's never seen boys in the hood? I've never seen boys in the hood, right? Like that's going to take you're, someone who has is going to make jokes that I had. I don't know that I don't get. You're going to be outside of some jokes. You're going to be outside of some understanding. They're going to, you're not going to know how to always react to them. You know, our ministry, we've been blessed with um, a, a bunch of students on the autism spectrum. And I don't know. Um, it's not an intentional thing. It just kind of happened. And, but we've been blessed by it. And I say that because, you know, these guys and girls, you know, when, when I interact with them and I spend time with them, they're so single-minded in their focus and they're, um, they're, so, um, they're so passionate about the things that they, they care the most about. And, and even though, yes, it's time, it, at hard, it's, it, I'm going to try this again. At times, it is hard to change the subject or like get them onto a certain point. At the same time, I learned so much from being around them and I just from spending time with them. I'm able to learn so much about them and, and their background and, and they challenge me as well because they're fearless, right? Like they'll just go up to somebody and just share and, and it's awesome. But we've got to go out and learn from the people who are different from us. First Corinthians 12, 12 says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ for we are all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. You know, I think about if you exclude a part of your body, if you, if you won't spend time with a part of your body, it's like having a house with all the rooms, but one of them you just don't use, right? Like imagine if you went over to someone's house and they had a perfectly functional bathroom and you're like, man, I really got to go. Where's the bathroom? You're like, outside, bro. We don't use that one. Like what? Like it's, what's wrong with, no, it's fine. It's fine. We just don't use that one. Like, I would never come back to your house. Like, that would be so uncomfortable. It would make no sense. And then people come. Like, again, like, I, man, like, if I come into your ministry and I'm different from the majority of you for whatever reason, and I don't get engaged and I don't get used and I don't get rubbed on and encouraged and, and, and shaped like the rest of everybody else is, that's, I'm not going to come back. There's no place for me here. Like, I am, a, I am a, an asset. Like, I have value. I have, I have worth that God has given me. And I'm not being used. Like, I'm, no one wants to engage me. I'm, I'm going to walk out. And I'm not going to come back. And so we've got to make sure that we honor the whole body. That, you know, um, in Corinthians, it talks about the, the parts of the body that are weaker or, or, uh, or, um, or less honorable. It says that we treat with special, special honor. You know, and, and again, friction's going to come when we mingle. Friction's going to come when we come up against people that are different from us. Um, but it's going to really take us to be willing to be family. 
and to, to seek that out and, and to find it and say, you know what? I'm aware of that. I know what I'm getting into. One of the things we do, again, in our premarriage counseling with people is we do this inventory at the end. And it's got a bunch of positive attributes and it's got a bunch of negative attributes. And it's super fun to watch them do it. But they, they have to check off, like, for their spouse, future spouse, all the things that they've recognized in them, good and bad. And so that's fun. So they're like 10 up top and one on the bottom. We're like, no, nah, man, you can't do that. Like, you got to be real. You got to. Right. So they'll check out all these. They have all these negative things that they've seen in their in their partner. And and at the end, we'll just tell them, like, you're going in with your eyes open. Right. Like, you know, he's a slob. Like, you know that you're going in and you might change him and you might not. But, you know, right now you are marrying a slob. And that's part of it. And so when we go in, if you're gonna if you're gonna seek out diversity, if you're gonna seek out relationships with people that aren't like you in the church, go into it knowing, like I know, I am fully aware this will be awkward. And there's a really good chance I could sit down next to you and have no idea what to say next, right? Like run through like, hey, how's school? I'm done. Like I've got nothing after that. You know, like, I've got nowhere else to go. And they're like, oh, I'm working. You know, like I'm, it's so hard, and, and it takes. You know, a lot of times all of this works together, right? So sometimes it takes me being vulnerable and like, you're not going to say anything. I'm going to tell you some stuff about me. You didn't ask, I'm going to tell you anyway, right? Like I'm just going to start dumping on you and telling you about me and my background and my history and, and maybe some other time, kind, you know, kinds of conversation will come up or I'm going to do something that you like to do. I went to a death metal concert a couple weeks ago. I have no interest in death metal personally. Like it's not my deal. Um, not what I grew up listening to. But, uh, but one of my friends is one of our guys in our group loves death metal. And if you guys know Cannibal Corpse, they're a really big deal in that scene. Have you ever seen Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? But you've never heard the phrase if you know guys know Cannibal Corpse. But, um, but he, he's always wanted to see him. And they haven't been to Tallahassee. But every time he used to go to it, he hadn't been to a show in years. And every time he would go to a show, he'd, he'd smoke pot and he'd drink. Every time. Like, that was part of it. He was in a band and it was just part of the, the, the culture of it. And so... He desperately wanted to see this band, and and so I'm like, hey, we're we're going. He's, and he's laughed like he's like, there's no way you're going to a Cannibal Corpse concert. Because I'm like wearing this at the time I told him. He's like, I mean, if you don't mind getting killed, like yeah, that'd be awesome. And so, and so I go and and I I go and buy the tickets for him, and he's messing with me the whole time. He's like, no, like people get bloody, like it's bad. You know, he's telling me this stuff all the time. He's like, no, man. Like, okay, make sure you wear, don't wear that shirt. Like, don't wear that band or, you know, like, make sure you, this isn't on you. And I got there and it was none of that. Like, it was a blast and it wasn't a big deal and I didn't go in the pit. But, uh, <laughs> but he, he is still talking about not just the concert, but that I went to the concert and that I head banged with him and I don't have any hair, so it looks silly, but, but like, <laughs> But I did it, and it was a blast. And I had a great time with him, and I cared about it because I care about Matt, and I love Matt, and, and that was a big deal. And and I saw how much it meant to him, and it, it wasn't just this like pity thing, like oh, it's important to you, so I guess I'll you know deign to to be in your presence. It was I was really pumped because I care a lot about him, and I've learned about him, and I I helped him. You know, our guys helped him become sober, and he's been sober for two years now, and I know what it cost him to get there, and I'm not going to let him throw it away like I'm going to go with him and be with him if he's going to be in a situation where that's going to be under attack and it was thrilling it was exciting for me and I, I'm still talking about it like it was exciting for me to go and do that with my brother and I didn't know all the I didn't know any of the songs and I didn't know any of the norms and that everything was covered in smoke and got, probably got a contact high but it was it was it was I'm just kidding <laughs> don't record that all right so um, just kidding just kidding all right so uh, but 
there's going to be awkwardness and there's going to be difficulties when we when we start connecting with people that are different than us, even in the church. And and we've got to be willing to get past that if we're going to have any kind of color and flavor in our churches and our ministries. All right, last thing. Our house is all set up. It's pretty. It's colorful. It's built up on the foundation of humble service. We're working in the light of openness and vulnerability. We've established walls and boundaries of accountability for one another. We've brought in color and beauty, a variety. And and if at this point we just stop and admire what we've built, in God's eyes we have truly wasted our time. And remember, we're not talking about a physical building here. We're talking about our friendships. We're talking about our relationships. It would be extremely ungrateful to hide out in our beautiful homes and exclude others. And, And honestly, it would only lead us to be entitled and selfish anyway. And it would tear the whole thing down. You know, we, there's a word for a building that you go into and never come out of. It's a crypt. It's a graveyard. You know, it's, that's the only kind of building that you walk into and you never come out of. And if we're going to build this, these relationships and we build this community and then we jump into this community feet first and never leave it and never engage anyone else, you've built a crypt for yourself. You've walled yourself in. And that's not what God designed us to be. He designed us to be a home. He designed us to be a welcome place, a place of a house of worship for all nations. That's what he called it, right? John 15, 14 through 17. We were built with a purpose. He says, you are my friends. Jesus is calling us his friends. If you do what I command, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that, here's the reason, so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The greatest friendships, the closest friendships you will ever have in the church are the ones born out of service, the ones accomplishing a higher purpose together. All my guys that I'm closest to, all my closest relationships, the ones that I can pick up and and not see for a few years and pick back up and, and it's like we never left, all of them are born out of us battling together for people's souls and welcoming people who are on the outside into our home, into our relationships, into our community. Because there's so many, Clint talked today about just recognizing the people in the dark, right? Like just recognizing that these testimonies you hear, like this is it's your coworker, it's your classmate, it's the people all around you that are walking around in the dark, no idea how to get out and too afraid to ask. And unless we're willing to empathize and engage and say, you come with us, like I will bring you into my circle of friends. And if you won't come to us, then I'm going to come to you and I'm going to go and engage you where you are. And I'm going to bring my friends with me and we're going to we're going to befriend you. We're going to bring you in. When you do that with a brother or a sister, that it, it creates the greatest friendships you'll ever have. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We've got to be present. We've got to be around and engaging. But more than that, more than just being happy with how open and loving and growing we are in our personal relationships with each other, we've got to share. There's way too much goodness coming from God to keep this to ourselves. Like we... We literally cannot contain it. When, when the God of the universe who has all the things pours his blessings on you, 
you're not big enough to hold that. No one in this room is big enough to contain what he's going to pour out on you. And when you engage in the way that we're talking about and you open up and you experience healing and, and you experience joy and peace and, and all these things that come with relationships in the light, there's not going to be, you're not going to have the capacity to hold that. And you're going to need to spill some around you on the people that are, that are in your sphere of influence. You know, I've got a brother who's a brother, I like to say. I've got a, a, a physical brother who's also a spiritual brother. We had grown up going to church, and, and so when we were just physical brothers, um, I remember he was playing, we loved playing basketball, and so he was playing basketball one time. And I wasn't his coach, I was just watching. He was, he was pretty little. Um, and, and he ran point, and so there was, a, there was a pattern I was noticing in the other team, and every time they would set up on defense, they'd set up on either side, and there was this wide open lane down the middle. And I'm watching them just like pass the ball around, pass the ball around. And so they, they call a timeout at some point. I call them over and, and I, I tell them, I came up with some code words like pancakes or something. I don't remember what the code word was, code word was. But I, I said, when I yell pancakes, you drive straight to the hole. Like don't, don't hesitate, don't look, just drive straight for the hole. And, and, uh, and so sure enough, he sets up. I see it happen. I'm like, pancakes. And I think mostly because I yelled that and the whole team turned around at work. But, uh, <laughs> but either way, I like to think it's because I noticed something. And, and he ran in and he scored and, and it was a big deal and he was super excited. And I was, I just, man, like, I didn't need credit for that. I didn't need praise. I just, I was so happy in that moment that I got to help my brother succeed, that I set him up. I just laid it all out for him. And then he scored the points and he got the credit. And I was so happy to see him do that. And that was just two points in a peewee basketball game, right? Now he's, now he's a spiritual brother and we're calling each other up and, and we're praying for each other. And he's got classmates that he's reaching out to. And I've got people on campus that I'm working on and grinding for and, and trying to, to work with. And they're, they're leaving and coming back and breaking my heart. And, you know, he's got friends that are going through hard times and we're praying with each other. And we're knocking down boundaries for each other and, and knocking down barriers rather and, and and smoothing the way to, to give each other confidence and, and know that we've got prayer cover and we're working with each other. We're setting each other up to succeed. And it's like 50,000 times more than any basketball game or any other worldly interaction we've had. It's, it's so good. I'm so much closer to him now that we have that bond and, and we can talk about doing work that's going to matter forever. It's literally going to matter forever. Serving together, it, it, it keeps us fresh. It stimulates growth. It brings all these things that we talked about together. When you start using them together to bless each other, to bless others. It helps us appreciate the house. You think about like, if any of you grew up in a good situation or you grew up in a bad situation. And then, you know, when, when those two worlds combine, you know, Marlon talked about in his class with Carrie. He's like, you know, he went into his house and, and he's like, man, this is so nice. Like he went on vacation with him. He's like, you guys like go, like you leave the area on vacation. And he was so stunned. And it, it just... Carrie said, man, it made me appreciate a lot more what I had. You know, when someone else came in and I I appreciated that more. What I had, what I might have taken for granted otherwise. In our house, in our relationships, in our community. When people start coming in and they're like, man, this is good. Like, this is so good. And you start looking at each other. Maybe you've had a little conflict with somebody. Or maybe you had an argument with somebody. And you look and you're like, you know what? This is good. Like, I can, I can get over that. Like, that's not that big a deal. This is really good. Like, it just helps you appreciate it more. And we don't get so self-centered and self-focused and stuck up on ourselves um, that we get tripped up. It, it just grows everything when we work together. Wrapping up, John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus says, a new command I give you, 
love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for each other should be our defining characteristic. It should be what people come in and notice immediately and realize something is different than they can find in the world. You know, God is building us into homes with a purpose. He's very carefully putting us in places where we can grow, putting us in places where we can see, succeed if we'll do the work. And, and I just encourage you guys, build in the light, right? Like build your friendships in the light, build them open and build them with care. And, and be careful about how you do it and be, be intentional about how you do it. Um, because if we do, we can save the world. And it's, it's glorious. You guys be blessed. Enjoy the rest of it. Thank you.